Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcasts right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcasts with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to Anchor FM to get started today. John Sadak, TV voice of the Cincinnati Reds, and you're up for late night Reds talk. What is going on, everybody? It is Wednesday night, and you know what that means. Another fun installment of late night Reds talk live, and the only guest we've ever had on here that knows where I stole that from. I am Tim Daniel, very excited for this week's show. Although a tough night, tough night for the Red Legs, uh, still excited to have our great guest tonight. But we'll start with our excellent panel, as always, my guy, Mr. Nicholas Kirby. How are you, sir? I'm good, good. Tough, uh, tough loss tonight, but two weeks ago when we met, I, I, we're in a lot better spot than we were then, so uh, so onward and upward. That's right. Also returning this week, uh, Mr. Carlos Guevara. How are you, pal? What's up, man? I'm doing good. How about you? Well, as you see, after that one listener made fun of my backgrounds, I, I fixed it. <laughs> I fixed it after Mo said that it looked like I was sitting on the toilet. Yeah. So, uh, really excited for our guest this week. Uh, this is, if you follow Better Off Red, he is a member of the Reds organization. Um, the guy who gives us each and every month the update of the Reds walk-up music, which make it our excellent Spotify playlists. Uh, I've been following this guy for a very long time, so excited to have him here with us. This is Mr. Jamie Ramsey. Welcome to Reds Talk, Late Night Reds Talk Live. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. So, I made reference that uh, you're the only person who's been on the show that knows where I got my opening line from. And I'll go ahead and get this out of the way because I know like you and I have very similar interests here. So Friday night, AEW, Rampage, CM Punk, what was that moment like for you? Because I'm sure it was just as exciting as it was for me. So I actually watched the, uh, I watched Rampage in my office because if you guys remember the Reds were playing and like the game went really fast. So it kind of ended right when Rampage was coming on. So it was a perfect opportunity. Like my wife was like, I thought the game got over early. And I said, well, it did, but like, I kind of had to stick around in my office for a little extra work. So <laughs> little did she know that my TV was on uh, TNT. That day. Yeah, it was awesome. So for those who don't know what we're talking about, which by Nick's face is him. Um, so Former pro wrestling sensation CM Punk made a triumphant return to professional wrestling and was on AEW's show, which is now the, I guess you can say a rival brand to WWE, but um, 
the wrestling geeks like Jamie and I know like what they're doing is pretty phenomenal. Uh, how this also ties into the Reds is if you see behind Jamie, he has a Dimitri Young jersey hanging up. <laughs> Dimitri Young literally hosts a pro wrestling podcast now with Lars Fredrickson from Rancid. So that. mm-hmm. that's pretty wild. Yeah, he'll he'll text me from time to time. He'll text me the link, and I think it's his way of saying, "Hey, listen to this." He just he'll just text me the link. He won't say, "Hey, listen to this" or "check out our guest" or whatever. It's just the link to it, and I'll I'll listen. He does a good job. Yeah, so there's an indie corporate company around here. Like Dimitri, I don't know if people knew this or not. Dimitri literally used to do like run-ins at wrestling shows for like the local brands. Like he would do like run-ins in the rings and like hit people with the bats and stuff. Like. <laughs> that's but yeah man he was like he was pretty into it he's uh this is like where i'm the room i'm in now is like our hub for pay-per-views and dimitri's been here for three or four royal rumbles i think so that we've uh cool. we've, we've watched some serious like now that we've gotten rid of half of your uh listeners yeah uh, i guess we can talk baseball now but yeah. <laughs> is there is there any video of dimitri fighting out there I haven't there, seen any. I need to so see this. One, one year when he came for a Royal Rumble, we watched um, when he was with the Tigers. He went to a WWE show and he was in the show. Like they built him in. Like he had a speaking part and everything. And they made like Edge made fun of him from the ring. And uh, it was pretty funny. We watched it and it was like he told us all about the vaccine stuff, like what it was like interacting with Vince McMahon and like. I said, you know, make sure you speak loudly and slowly so that everybody can understand you. So it was a pretty cool bat behind the scenes uh, uh, thing that Dimitri told us about. It's cool. It is, man. It's just something I'm always going to love. So it's just my, that's like the geek part of me that'll always be there. So I knew you were also one who appreciated the arts. So I had to make sure we touched on it before we got into some baseball talk. Um, obviously, this year has been. You know, a lot of fun. Um, I know tonight was a tough loss, um, but this is a team that right now stands about nine games over 500. You know, they're in the wild card race still. Um, although these, you know, these games against the Brewers are definitely difficult and frustrating as a fan. For, you know, most of your career, obviously, you haven't been in this situation a lot when you've been around the Reds. So, like, for you, with this group of guys, with the success they're having, what has the season been like for you to be a part of the organization? I, I think... I think I told my wife the other day that this is probably, aside from 2010 and 99, the most fun I've had working for the Reds during a baseball season. I think a lot of that has to do with the team. I think 90% of that has to do with the team. But uh, the, the, the players, the staff, uh, it's just been really fun. And also, especially like there's this team is so special because, look, we all, I mean, I work for the Reds, but I'm not going to sugarcoat it. They've had bullpen problems, and like that's been like that. It happened tonight, but it's it, they've been, you know, like pushing through that. And I've never seen a team so resilient where, you know, they know that they might have to score five runs to win or six or seven runs to win, and then they do it. And that's just been that's been fun. And like each one of those guys down there is just a special player and season itself has like produced so many just I feel like I don't know how you guys think but I think this season alone has felt like five or six different seasons into one yes. I mean you had the uh, 
you had the Tyler Naquin season, you had the Castellanos Winker season, you had then Joey turned on his, what he's doing is unbelievable. It's, it became the Joey season. And then, you know, in between there, it's like everybody like has contributed. And I know this might not be a popular opinion among some of your listeners, but even like some of the guys that struggled in the bullpen, like Keith Embry and Brad Brock have, you know, some have to be given at least a certain amount of credit for they stepped up to a certain degree when the team really needed them as far as um, pitching in big spots. It didn't always work out obviously, but they came through in some big spots that otherwise we, the team really didn't have anybody to pitch those innings. So I think you can't even forget, you can't forget those guys. I mean, if from top to bottom, it's just been a fun team to watch. I know that's a long answer, but I've really enjoyed it. I think we lost Tim, but yeah, no, I, I completely sleep you know, he didn't like your answer. <laughs> we we, we lost like, this is a bullshit answer. I'm out of here. We lost the host. Uh but no, no, I, I, I totally agree. It, it's, it's really felt, and I think the 2010 team in, in the 99, like you said, those really felt like full team efforts. Um, like, you know, the Reds have had some, some really good teams, like the, the 2012 and 2013, but those were very like, you know, Votto carried the team, Votto and Chu right. in, in 2013. Like this is, it has been every single guy and they've needed, you take away any of those performances and where would the Reds be? It's just, it, it's a really, really been, I think, uh, um, a, a remarkable season from, from that perspective. Yeah. That, that Heath Hembry as much crap as I give Nick about Heath Hembry, like, thank God we had the best of him whenever we got the best of him. I mean, yeah, that, they'd have been in a real big pickle without him. Yeah. Yeah. That month he had, he had about a, a month run where like 12, 13 innings. That he were, was, he was lights out, you know, and, the Reds had no options at that point. And, and I think they're in a pretty good spot now with the bullpen. It's never going to be where I think everyone wants it to be. Um, but I think you saw last night's game. Reds scored four runs off Burns. I mean, you've got to feel really good about that. Lorenz has been great. He had a lot of run in 12. It's just, you're going to have that. It, good pitchers have bad nights. Every reliever does. You know, you Reds remember beat Josh Hader back-to-back nights earlier this year it happens. And so I was really encouraged. I thought yesterday with yesterday's game that they were able to score, you know, four runs off probably the Cy Young front runner right now. Um, how many, how many red teams have we, have we saw in the past that uh, fair or not kind of got the, the label of, well, they, they can't beat the great pitchers, you know, um, probably a lot of it's unfair, but you know, the reds have, have had, they beat Zach Wheeler you know, um, uh, a couple of weeks ago that they've, they've really been able to, to compete well against some of the, the, the top end pitchers, which, you know, I think bodes well, if they are able to make a, make it into the, the playoffs. That's why the top pitchers, right? Cause not yeah. a lot of people beat them. Yeah. Yeah. So an interesting stat earlier, like uh, I was just going through a few things before today's game. It's, it's, it's tough to beat good teams. I know that sounds obvious, but there are only like a handful of teams that are in contention that have um, winning records against teams at or above 500. The Reds aren't one of those teams. The Reds have a losing record, but I think the Dodgers do too, believe it or not. 
Uh, the Padres do have a winning record against teams over 500. So it's like, it's very strange, but you know, it's, but they uh, haven't, they haven't done a, they haven't done what the Reds have been able to do against the bad teams. And exactly. Hey, they all, they all count the same, you know, you, they, however you can get it to add up. Um, and I mean, after tomorrow, the Reds schedule, we've been saying it, it's, it's really favorable. Now that doesn't mean any guarantee. You know, we were, I, I think back, I think David Bell made a comment about this or maybe it was, maybe it was crawl. I think on, on MLB network made a comment. I, I think back to 2019, that Reds team wasn't that great, but in September they were like a different team. And, and remember they knocked the Cubs out of the playoffs. Um, so the Reds are going to face probably some of those teams. I kind of see maybe a team like the Pirates that that has some you know young up and coming talent with like Reynolds and uh, Cabrian Hayes. You hope that that you don't get them when those guys are really clicking. Um, so you can't count any of these games. But look, the Reds Reds have it right in front of them, which it's August twenty fifth. That's that's where you want to be at this point. That, you know, you brought up a good point there, and it's something that you know we've talked about in the past in the office. It's like, would you rather face a team that is comfortably in like uh, the Brewers or the Dodgers, or would you rather face a team that doesn't have a winning record, but has a bunch of guys. I I wouldn't want to play the Cubs right now. I I wouldn't want to play that team because that's a team that has a bunch of young guys that want to show, Hey, look, we can play too. And like you said earlier, how many times have we seen the Reds do that where They've been out of it in September and teams absolutely do not want to play the Reds because they're scratching and clawing to the end. Yeah. I think the, the one real positive, I think about some of these, these, uh, you know, weaker teams that the Reds are going to play Cubs kind of still have decent starting pitching. Whereas some of these other teams, they are, they've just completely traded away all of their pitching. So even if you are, you know, young and scrappy, it, it's hard to at least win series with, with, we, we know from, you know, 2016 to 18, it's really hard to win, win series when you don't have, you know, any starting pitching. So I would say that, that probably is the, I, I think the sign that, that bodes best for the Reds, but, you know, we'll have to see it play out, but they're in a good spot. And, and that's, that's, you know, my life, that's what I've been hoping for at this time of the year and just sit back and enjoy it. Um, so I, I guess I'm, I'm doing a little hosting here, so yeah, yeah. I don't screw this up too much. Man, Let's, I uh, first on Tim, didn't I? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's having some, uh, s- some struggles with, uh, the, the internet tonight. Apparently, usually that's, that's, uh, my gig, but we did get some good questions. Um, kind of start going through them. Um, a really good question. I just came across, um, from our friend, Ann, um, Level of concern, we'll start with Carl's. Level of concern with Winker out. Um, um, let, let's start with, with Winker. Let's say he's out, but he's able to get back to the, the postseason. Let's just say he's out for the next couple of weeks. What would be your level of concern with that? Um, I mean, sure, anytime you get, you know, you're missing a starting left fielder from the National League All-Star, it's going gonna, it's gonna to hurt a little bit, but as good as this offense is, it's really not as big as probably most people think. I mean, against right-handed hitters or left-handed pitching, he's not, not hitting the ball too well. So, I mean, it kind of forces David, it forces David Bell's hand there to make the move. 
Um, and they don't have really problem scoring runs tonight. They did, but you know, that's, that's not their problem. So I, that's why they've been able to make it through the whole season because they've lost Joey for a period of time. They've lost Nick for a period of time. Like they lost Moose for a long time and, and the offense is still is, is the top one of the top in the national league. So I really don't think it hurts. It definitely helps when he's back. Hopefully he's back before like the 15th of September because he's going to need those two weeks of spring training before, you know, the playoffs get here. Jamie, what's your kind of thoughts on, on I agree with Carlos. I I think, I mean, it, it hurts on the field, but I think, I think in this case with Winker and I, you know, I agree with Carlos on everything he said about the hitting and you're not, you know, in dire straits with him out right now. But I think on the flip side of that too, you want to get him as you want to get him back in the lineup as soon as you can, just be, just to have him around the guys, just to have him back in the clubhouse. It's part of the team. Uh, to do that, I think uh, the team down there in the clubhouse would feel complete again and feel whole again. And I know Jesse's a, a beloved member of the, of the team, and uh, you know that goes a long way too. Not just uh, just not not just for the accolades he, he uh, collects on the field, but inside that clubhouse, he's pretty good. Yeah, there's a sense of all right, our our, our boys are here. We're ready to go. What you got for us today? Like there's a different sense whenever you, whenever you, you know, suit up for the game that day and, and you're, and you're healthy and you got your best and you're able to line up against the Brewers. All right. All right, let's go. You know, that, that's, it definitely plays in, plays into it a bit. It's a good point. Yeah. I think like tonight when you're facing a guy like Brandon Woodruff, that's when you really, really feel, you know, missing Winker, but next couple series, Marlins, Cardinals, Tigers, Cubs, Cardinals, Pirates. Remember, the Cardinals are without Flaherty right now. You know, that if there's a time to miss Winker, that would be the time that you can, you know, you can, um, you can survive it a little bit more. But yeah, I think Carlos is, is spot on. On um, you definitely, definitely want him back by mid-September um, so he can get into. Um, you know, if the Reds are fortunate enough to get into the postseason, he can at least be in um, um, some sort of a groove. Um, a lot of questions we're getting about, um, um, the red shortstop situation. I think the three of us are probably like in, in a big minority with the rest of Reds land. I know Carlos, I know you have a lot of, a lot of thoughts on this. What's your thoughts on the Reds current shortstop situation? Uh, I've got lots of thoughts. Um, I think they're handling it perfectly well. Uh, the way I would if I was manager, the way that I would want my manager to handle it. I mean, we're talking about, you got to take it down. The, we're talking about human beings here. So everybody in this clubhouse, like we've talked about earlier, we, there's been plenty of injuries. There's been plenty of bullpen battles, ups and downs. So you build as a team, you come together, you pick each other up. And Kyle Farmer has been there since day one and he's still there. And he did really, really well around the all-star break a little after, like he hasn't played as great, but he's still not hurting the team. He's doing really well. You you can't, you can't just bring a prospect who was up last year, who showed nothing but struggling just because he had, you know, a good couple of months in triple A. Like I hope he's the next Barry Larkin. I really do. But right now is not the time to say, all right, Kyle, thanks for your efforts this year. 
Um, we'll give you a couple pinch hits here and there. It doesn't work that way. It, I mean, not in, in, in any job. Just because this is the the team that you choose to root for, and you think they're they don't have feelings or clubhouse, it, like that stuff matters. It does. Like it has a big part in it, because you take him out like that. So I mean, what are you telling people who want to sign next year? Yeah, we want you to come over here, but you know what? Guess what? If we have a prospect who's doing well. You're probably gonna get replaced just because, you know, he did well in AAA. Like it doesn't work that way. It, it really doesn't. Jamie, any thoughts on? Yeah, I mean, again, Carlos is right on the money. And, you know, I, I, I was from a distance and from a lurking standpoint, I was keeping tabs on Carlos's Twitter conversation the other day about this. And I think I think I can see both. I mean, I can see why people want Barrero in there. But like Carlos said, it's like, I mean, think about it this way. You and three of your friends saved all summer to go to Kings Island at the end of the year. And you really wanted to go. And two of your buddies, you and another buddy had plenty of money to go. You had season passes or something, but you didn't, you had another friend who it took a long time to save up that money to go. And at the very last minute, after he has the money and he's ready to go in with you, you take him out and you put in another guy because He's great at riding roller coasters. And you put him there. I guarantee you're not going to have as much fun as if, because you're going to say, look, that that's our friend. We wanted to go with him. He saved up. He worked hard. He proved that he wanted to do it. He's committed to this. He can't just do that to us. That might not be a good comparison, but that's one of the first things that popped in my mind is like, imagine like if you're on a team or in a family and somebody just fucks one of them, out and replaces them with somebody that hasn't gone through the sticks with you. I think, again, going back to the clubhouse thing, and I know that can get overstated sometimes, but it, it certainly is a thing about disrupting that the good vibes only thing. And, you know, especially with Farmer, Farmer's another guy that is like the lifeblood of this team, like the heartbeat of this team. And at the end of the day, is your problem at shortstop? Are you having a, is it that much of a glaring problem there that you need to replace Kyle Farmer? I don't think so at all. If anything, if the last month and a half has showed you anything is that he can play there, number one, he can play shortstop. And two, I mean, how are you going to take him out now when he's hitting, you know? So yeah, I mean, I, I'm against it. If you plug him in, you're saying he's going to hit like he hit in AAA because that's the only way he's going to be more valuable than Kyle Farmer right now. And he wasn't facing big league pictures in, in AAA. I will say this. If this team was 20 games out of first place, Jose Barrera would be playing shortstop. For sure. Yeah, I, I think two things that come to mind for me is I think I kind of remember how bad the red shortstop situation was when Kyle Farmer took over. I mean, it was, it was bad, you know, Swords was just not cutting it defensively. Um, it was a glaring hole. Um, I've said it all year. I really believe that had a massive, uh, was a massive contributor to Castillo's early season struggles with some of the defense behind him. Um, and Farmer is seventh in baseball in outs above average among shortstops. And there's like 36 qualifiers. I mean, this is, he has been incredibly defensively. It's not just, oh, he's done a nice job. No, he's been really, really good defensively. 
Um, and, you know, with the bat, I think he's at a 93 weighted runs created plus. So he's, he's holding his own. Um, so first you have that. And then the other thing I think is we have to remember, it's a real crap shoot when someone comes up to the big leagues with what their performance is going to be. Um, sometimes you get Jonathan India who comes up and everything goes well. But a lot of other times you have these other guys that it's taken them a while. They, they, they struggle. And we only have, what, 35 games left. This is a sprint to the finish. So I, I just wouldn't be in a rush to, to replace Farmer. Now, look, if Farmer has two weeks where he just is not hitting at all, then, yeah, okay, yeah, maybe you need to start working working Jose in more. Um, but I, I would just, right now, I, I just I don't think it's this – I don't, I don't think it's going to um, um, really make or break or, or add or subtract really any yeah. win, wins at this point. Like I've, I've never been, you know, super big on, on the clubhouse field because, you know, it's, it's a business. It's, it's not like the minor leagues or college ball to where oh, we're all best buddies. We're all going to go out afterwards and hang out. It's work. You get there, you go to work, you have small conversations. You don't, like you don't hang out with these guys after the games. You've got families to go home to. It's a diff- different vibe. So to get a good clubhouse fit is pretty important. And again, I, like I don't share many things that Joey shares with me, but like early April, he was like, dude, this clubhouse, it's, it's amazing. Like everybody's pulling for each other. Like we, just, we know we're good. We, we're going to be good. I know it. Like he's like, I've, I've never been in a clubhouse like this. It's like everybody. You know, like in the past, you've had great players, but there's so many different personalities that have to come together. And it's like, I mean, you saw the Tampa Bay Rays last year. I mean, who were they? Name me five starters from Tampa Bay right now. But those guys had so much fun whenever you're watching the World Series. It's, I mean, it's, it's unbelievable. And, it, and, it's, and it's true. And that to me is why the biggest reason why you can't take Kyle Farmer out because he's not, he's not hurting you. And he's been there all year. And I promise you, if there was a vote, his teammates would say he's our shortstop right now. I think, and I, I yeah, I, I absolutely agree. And I think part of that, I think part of the problem with the folks that kind of just poo-poo the uh, clubhouse thing is it's something that it's something that the average fan doesn't know about because the media isn't, especially now, the media is not in the clubhouse. They don't, the fans don't know what happens in the clubhouse. Um, and to me, that's where, you know, a, that's a very big portion of the game is you're, you're with the same, you're with these guys for two, what, Carlos, probably 200 days out of the year, at least. Yeah, at least. In close, in close quarters like that. And just think about it as your family. Like if, if, if you're at home with your family and say your daughter is just being disruptive all the time, that's going to hurt your family dynamic. And it's not unlike, it's not unlike that in the baseball clubhouse. And because you can't quantify it, it's, it's a mystery to some folks. And that's not their fault. It's just something that's you know, unknown to a lot of people. And, 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 and to, you know, to continue that point is, I think that's, I think I've said it on Twitter before that in the clubhouse behind closed doors is, 90% of what a manager does, that's part of like 90% of his job takes place, not on the field or in the dugout, but in the clubhouse. And yeah. And a lot of the argument too is, is like, you know, these, 
these athletes get paid so much money, like they shouldn't worry about their feelings. Guess what? Nobody cares how much Joey's making right now. Nobody cares how much Jose Barrero in that clubhouse is making right now. They don't. It's not, it's not a factor for them. All right. So next question. And, and Jamie, you may want to not answer this and totally, <laughs> totally respect that. But we try to answer everyone's questions on here as much as possible. This one came from Bryce. Uh, this might be a little tougher to answer, but it's a, I think it's a good question. Name the best eight players in the lineup right now. Um, I'll, I'll start this one out. <laughs> I'll take this one. Um, I would probably, so we're, we're taking Winker out because he said active. So I'd probably say Votto, number one, which I, you know, five years ago, I would, that would be obvious. Six months ago, I would have been like, I really have him number one, but I think he's probably number one right now. Then Castellanos, India, Stevenson, Naquin. Am I missing someone? Are you asking us questions or are you, are you giving your answer? So it sounds like you're asking questions. Naquin, Moustakis, <laughs> Barnhart Farmer. I don't know. <laughs> Any critiques with that, Carlos? I don't know. That's a It's hard to answer a question in a, a podcast. because there's so many question. things that go into it. But yeah. Like, They're probably going to be in the lineup anyway. The best eight are going to probably yeah. be in the Yeah. Yeah. I will say if I can comment on that just a little bit, I think one of the most underrated stories of this team this year is the production you're getting from your catchers. And I don't think that's talked about enough. I think both defensively and offensively, the duo that is behind the plate for the Reds has been phenomenal. And I think they deserve a lot of credit. Yeah. That's, that's been a fun back and forth with me and, and Nick this year. We've kind of like, chosen a player each guy and not like I mean we love both guys but we just like when one hits a homer the other one hits a homer we text each other right away I mean hell I got a free koozie out of it <laughs> Jamie we had a bet which one would hit a, a home run first from a certain date and uh, uh, my, my guy David Bell benched <laughs> my guy three straight games in a row and the the, the third one Carlos Homer next day, my guy Homer. So <laughs> Carlos got a koozie out of it. So congrats. Awesome. Yeah. But no, a good point <laughs> on that is neither one of those guys have had to have the full catching load. And this is, remember, this is a coming off a short season. So you hope, you know, maybe the Reds catching tandem is a lot fresher than other teams who man, catching has got to be hard. And especially after the short season last year, that would be a huge advantage for the Reds when they start getting into into September. So that's, a, I think, a really good good point. That's here. one of the biggest myths to me is how catchers can make it through the whole entire year. I mean, you see these guys coming in spring training, they're like yoked and in the best shape. And then by like now, mid-August, they're like, they've lost 15 pounds. They're like, <laughs> like they can't eat enough. They can't keep the weight on. It's like, Jesus, all the work that those guys put in, they're crazy. Yeah, like, I mean, I remember Joey had a quote saying how crazy catchers were, but like, yeah, that's that's lots of respect goes out to those two. And man, I hope they sign Tucker back next year. Very good. All right, so so moving right along here. Um, big news of the day was, was Heyman reporting, I think probably what most of us thought that Castellanos is likely to opt out at the end of the year. Um, 
you know, I, we, we've talked about this a little bit earlier in the year, but I know we had some questions about it, about it, you know, Carlos and um, um, I, I don't think it's a big deal. I don't think it's a big deal that the Reds didn't trade him at the, the deadline. Like this is a year you are in, you know, uh, Reds haven't been in very many years. You, you want to keep all your guys. So I, I just, I don't really look at it as a, as a bad situation. You know, if, if he does choose to opt out and the Reds aren't able to match it, they can get a qualifying offer uh, compensation pick for him. Um, they could reallocate that money um, and they can thank hopefully Castellanos for helping lead them to two straight postseasons. Like I see it as a good situation for everyone involved caused you to see anything really glaring about the situation. No, I mean, I just think it's the timing of this, you know, announcement was kind of weird. Like it must've been a really slow day in baseball. Cause I mean, we've known this since March, right? Like it's probably going to be the action. Then whenever he had his April and May, we're like, okay, it's definitely going to be the option. Yeah. Or right. the, not taking the option. So like, I mean, this is just. Might be some, some speculation there. Yeah. Like whatever. It's a good it's a good deal for the Reds, regardless of what happens. I think I'm surprised you don't see more contracts like Castellanos's, where you have the first two years you have the ability to opt out, and a lot of people get scared about that, especially when Castellanos becomes the favorite player and has the season that he's had. But you know there are benefits to. Um, or I shouldn't say benefits, but if there is safety nets in place with contracts like that. Like you said, if he does opt out, the Reds will get something rather than getting nothing. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, you know, the opt-outs were probably a big reason why he chose to come to Cincinnati. You know, maybe the, so they got him here and guess what? It has worked out really, really well for the Reds. So I, I don't know. I, I don't, I don't really focus on the negative aspect of that. I'm just really glad the Reds have had a great player, you know, um, um, for so long. All right. A couple other questions Then I got one here at the end, specifically for Jamie. I want to make sure I save that for the end. It's a really, really good question. Um, do you like the wild card format? That was a hot topic going around. I, I'll start. I love the wild card format. Um, I, I think the wild card format was – I'm trying to remember the year it started in 11, I think. And in um, 2010, the year before the, the Yankees and Rays were fighting for the American league East and neither team like fought, like they just like two weeks left in the season. They, there was no advantage other than playing one extra game at home in, in the, the division series like what's the big advantage to that and both teams rested guys they, they didn't fight till the end so i love that the, the the one game wild card has eliminated that and made the 162 really really matter um, um and i i think it's a really great way just to kick off the playoffs with that energy of that that one game single elimination um and then this year it helps the reds uh, reds if, the, if they're playing the dodgers their chances of winning one game against the Dodgers versus winning two out of three, one's, one's higher. So I don't know. What's your guys' thoughts, Jamie? What's your thoughts on the, the single elimination wild card game? All right. Here, this is where I'm going to stray a little bit. I don't like it. I, I, think, <laughs> I think a season that is – the baseball season is long and grueling and it's built on series. And to just have your season 
go away after one game to me just doesn't make sense. And I know I get it. And I respect all of the, um, you know, the reasons why people like it. I just, I, it's just, I think if you're going to have a, I think if you're going to have a, a, a season built on series, a three game, two game, four game series with every team when they come in, then you should, I think you, I think it's only right to have a playoff as a series. Now, if that's, seven games, five games, three games, that's fine. But I think it has to be more than one game. Carlos, what's your thoughts? Yeah. Um, as a Reds fans, I really love it this year. <laughs> but, I mean, it, it does. It sucks for for being that, you know, the first wild card spot. Like, you, I mean, like you said, you, your whole season you play for it, you get that wild card spot. And then now you're stuck playing a one-game playoff like a winner winner go home so it sucks for that seed but I don't know I mean it's hard to be on the other side because I haven't been on the other side yet of just being a Reds fan like <laughs> I, I love it <laughs> right now because I mean it's been a while since they won the division so yeah I mean, I, it's, I it's tough to just I mean the Dodgers could lose to the freaking who's the worst team right now the Pirates yeah. Tomorrow with Max Scherzer going like it could totally happen. And that's, and that's what sucks about it. Yeah. I, I only know the, the other side, you know, the, the 2013, but I, I tell you what, if you're a fan of a team that wins the wild card game, I imagine that is just mm-hmm. an incredible um, um, feeling, you know, I think back to the last, you know, normal baseball season, the, the Nationals, you know, remember they won the World Series, but remember they were down like two runs in like the eighth mm-hmm. inning. Uh, Trent Grishams, who got traded because of it, <laughs> made that big air. And I mean, their season was over almost and it flipped and they ended up winning the World Series. So um, it, it's, yeah. it's an emotional game. And that's what I love about it. I think it's just a, awesome way to kick off the plays. I totally see Jamie's, Jamie's perspective um, for sure. All right. Um, one more question and then we'll, uh, we'll get to, to Jamie's specific one. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll let Carlos start this one. Uh, never too early to talk about this. Um, and again, Reds haven't clinched anything. We're not jinxing anything. We're just talking. We're just, just, just guys chatting here. So, so don't, don't be like you jinxed anything. It's just, we're just chatting. Just chatting. <laughs> Carlos, who'd you start in the wild card game? Luis Castillo. Jamie, who would you start in the wild game if you want to answer? <laughs> I'd probably start Castillo. I, I mean, I would I'd give some serious thought to Sonny, but Castillo would be my guy. And start Tyler Malley. I, mm. I'd, I'd uh, man, dominant on the road. It's going to be on the road. Um, I think the thing too is the Reds are I, unless they're nuts they're going to use more than one starting pitcher in the wild card game um especially with with the Reds bullpen you know where it is uh that going back to 2019 the the, the Nats use Scherzer and Strasburg in that game so I would imagine the Reds would use at least two I'd I'd be I'd have three available um and if you go three 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 hey look you have to win that game or your season's over and you know if if whoever whoever the fourth guy is starting game one if you're able to get to the NLDS it's still a really good pitcher if it's Sonny Gray if it's Tyler Malley you're still starting a really good pitcher so um 
I'd have three available. I think I would go, I'd go Mally, Miley, and Castillo. Um, and and not try to use the bullpen at all. Um, maybe the Reds will have one or two guys that we feel I mean, maybe Lorenzen and Givens or, or Sessa, someone gets in the mix and we just feel so good about them for like the one inning that they could be kind of thrown in that mix. Um, Those guys would have to come in mid inning. If you're going to do that, if you're going to have three starters going, then Sessa Lorenzen is going to have to come in like in the bottom of the third or whatever. And then yeah. in the bottom of the fifth to get out of the inning, to give that starter, the starters not shouldn't come in during a, the middle of an inning. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I agree. I meant more maybe not using like the third starting pitcher maybe if you start having two or three guys really separate themselves, yeah. that's more what I meant, but yeah, I know you definitely wouldn't want to um, you'd want to give them as much time to make it as normal as you can. Um, but yeah. yeah. Do you guys Before have you your question? I want to ask Jamie, cause I got a little tip that you used to be on the ground screw and that's like, everybody's like bro thing when they go to the game, like, damn, I'd love to be on the ground screw. Like <laughs> that'd be cool. Like, every every dad wants the best yard in the neighborhood we all want to like like be out there working on shit like talk to me a little bit about that well that's how i started my tenure with the reds and this was at riverfront stadium at the time it was called synergy field in 1997 and uh i had a couple buddies that got on the crew the year before and i was like hey man you know i'll i'd love to do that if you guys need any more you need any help and so May of 97, my, my buddy called and said, yeah, we do need some help. And I've been there ever since. And my, you have to remember riverfront was, um, turf. So I didn't yeah. pass or anything. It was, I, I, I worked, uh, I was the mound guy. So I was the guy that helped build the mound and you know, maintain the mound. And, uh, those were some great memories, man. Yeah, some really good memories. Working That's awesome. That's cool. And then, and now you're doing like a lot of media relations or mainly media relations. And, and I know a lot of the, the things I send you questions often on Twitter about, you know, walk up songs and like that. Um, do you have a favorite team the, as a, as a group of walk up songs? Because I feel, you know, the last couple of years they've struggled as a team. Like, I'm like, what are we listening to here, guys? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe because I'm getting uh, older, probably because I'm getting older, but I'm like, oh. Well, that makes me feel better that you feel that way because <laughs> last several years, and I make no mistake about it, like, you know, people love, and you guys mentioned it before, you guys love getting that list, and I love doing it and compiling it, but man, holy cow, there's some really bad music that, like, and there's still bad music going on now that like when, when someone, you know, I think I love Gino to death, but man, that song, when he comes up, I just, I don't know how that would pump him up. And I know it's probably, you know, <laughs> sentimental to his family or probably his daughter's favorite song or whatever, but man, and you know, like I've never heard of the baby until the last few years. <laughs> and it felt like every third guy on the team was listening to a the baby song. Um, I know this isn't going to be popular, but I'm not a Drake fan at all. And Drake is hugely popular in the clubhouse. Yeah. So I guess like, yes, yes, you're right, Carlos. There's some bad music going on out there, but that makes the guys that do have the good ones, it makes their songs even better, I think. And 
Uh, I, I, I love Tucker because he has, he tends to go with a classic rock song that, you know, like nobody would probably think of, but I, I dig that. And uh, uh, Michael Gibbons just told me the other day he wanted to go with uh, Ready or Not by the Fugees, which I think is an excellent choice. Oh, I love it. One that Aaron Boone used to come out to back in the day for the Reds. Right. Um, but as far as a team goes, like I know like in the infant stages of walk-up music, probably in the late 90s, um, the 99 Reds, that was fun because they had some good, they had some cool stuff. You, I mean, you could hear everything from hip-hop to equal parts hip-hop, equal parts. You know, God, that was such a great time for music for the late 90s. Yeah. yeah. Hip-hop, we had alternative, like. Yeah. It was all over the place. Um, yeah. yeah, like every, like all the time, like me and me and Joey, like new music comes out and we'll send to each other. Like it'll be the song and it'll say, start at 0.36 seconds. Like this will that. be the We've done that. I, I swear since he's been in the league, we've sent each other thousands of them. <laughs> and he's never once taken mine. And <laughs> my request... <laughs> And he's like changed it like five times. So I'm like, <laughs> whatever. But we still send it back and forth. And I swear, I mentioned it on Twitter that his resurgence came whenever Kanye started putting out that new music because you're not going to find a bigger Kanye fan than Joey. And whenever he started leaking that stream, ooh, Joey came back. I mean, <laughs> he, like, he's Joey's getting hype. He's not sleeping at night because he's listening to new Kanye music. <laughs> I feel like there's not as many guys that like have like the same song for like, I remember like Scott Rowland had Coldplay for like his entire tenure yeah. and, and Ludwig had, favorite song. had Brass Monkey. I, I feel like everyone changes it up now. There was something just, even if you didn't like the song, there was something cool about like that. That was that guy's song. Like, like, like Scott Rowland, every time he came up, it was that dun, 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 you yeah. know, and, and it was, I don't know. It, I kind of like black that. was really cool. Like at first Painted I was like, yeah, black. this is kind of, eh, but it's like, you know, everybody in the crowd would be like, yeah. Like clapping. So that was the cool part of it. Paint of black for Joey was like stone colds, like glass shattering. For me. Like when I heard that, like that opening note and people clapping along is like, not that you would, not that Joey's at bats aren't already appointment viewing, but I was just already focused. Like, Oh, I'm pumped up. I can't wait to see him. Like, Oh, I, I, the text has been sent playoff first playoff home game play, paint it black he's like hey absolutely. look charlie watts just passed away and i could joey's like really in tune with what's going on in the world and i wouldn't i would not doubt that when they come back home that he goes paint it black Oof. I'll, probably, I'll probably make jamie jamie puke but i i like I do like Antone's blah, blah, blah. I'm not I, gonna lie. I have jammed yeah. out to that yeah. ever since I, I never heard the song and I heard it and uh, yeah, I've, I've jammed out to it all summer. I love What's it. your walkout I, song? Yeah, okay. Like okay, good. Wow. I can't believe yeah. we agreed on that. I thought you, yeah. would, I thought you would hate that. So no, no, that's one of the better ones. Yeah. It's yeah. kind of just Nick. What's your walk-up song? <laughs> My walk-up song. Oh, I don't know. I have no idea. What do you got, Carlos? Um, I think I would probably go um, "Bright Lights" by uh, Gary Clark Jr. Oh yes, good, good choice. Uh, yeah, he's coming to he's coming to Cincinnati soon. Oh really? Yeah, yeah. During the season? 
Uh, I think I want to say maybe next month. I could be way wrong oh, on wow. that. Now I'm gonna have to do some research before I <laughs> go to bed tonight. Be at the new venue, I think. Uh, yeah, I mean the wife have been going to see him at Red Rocks the last several years before COVID. We'd go like every September for like three years wow. in a row. Unbelievable. Awesome. Yeah. I'll embarrass myself. I'll probably go jet. Put your money where your mouth is. I need something that really like bangs, but I don't think I'll get a, a major league at bat. So I don't. I don't think we'll have to. I don't think Jamie will have to add that to the playlist. Jamie, you got one. I might change from time to time. Like yeah. I don't have a current one that I like. Sometimes I'll think about like if I'm in the car or whatever. Like, man, I wish somebody would come out to this or whatever. But yeah, it's funny how like you listen to songs different. Like all this little twenty second clip would be awesome. You know. Yes. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll we'll close uh, close the show on this question. This comes from our, our pal Stephen uh, Stephen Offenbaker uh, has a really good podcast. Uh, good question for Jamie. Jamie, how do you feel about the collection of independent websites, blogs, blogs, podcasts, etc., that have developed to discuss the Reds? Do they pose any challenges for you and your job? Do you see them growing in importance? Yes, I'm a big, big, big proponent of what has gone on over the last ten years online. I'm a big supporter of uh, those those the blogs that that, and I read them and I keep up I don't read all of them and quite frankly it's hard for me to um, to do that away from the ballpark because I once I'm away from baseball I want to be away from it but I do keep an eye on it I keep the uh, uh, my finger on the pulse of Twitter and I see what's being said and all that stuff and um Challenges, no, but I will say that it's, you know, I think it's important not to confuse uh, a lot of the blogs with what hard news is and what the jobs that the beat writers do. That might not be a popular thing to say, especially here, but um, I think for the most part, the blogs are probably in you guys feel free to correct me if I'm wrong, are 90% commentary, maybe even more than that, rather than what, um, you know, what journalism, a lot of what journalism is, is breaking stories, fostering sources, creating exclusive content. Um, and that's no fault of the blogs. That's just the way it is. I mean, it's, a lot of a lot of the people that are running blogs don't have the access. They don't have the relationships. They don't have the sources. Um, and what they do is great. And to me, like when I see a Reds blog, that means one, somebody cares enough to do this. Two, they care enough that they want other people to read it about it and to listen to it. And if they have an audience, that's great too because that means there's more Reds fans. And I think what gets lost on social media, especially, is that we're all rooting for the same team. I mean, it's kind of weird to have to see that because when you see, you know, I got to be careful how I say this. When you see maybe a local radio personality go absolutely crazy over the fact that a player is, a certain player is not on the team currently and he's playing in Louisville or he's on the IL or whatever. Um, it kind of goes sideways sometimes. Like, and I have to remind myself before I, you know, I get 
annoyed back in the day, as you guys probably know, I used to get really upset, but I've kind of mellowed through the years and, you know, everybody has their right to, to their opinion. I mean, who am I to think that whatever I think is the best thing? And, but I think it's very important to have that online presence and the more, the merrier for me. And I, I don't, I don't think it's any challenge at all. Awesome. Yeah. I think that's a, a great perspective yeah we are not journalists here on the show i hope no one ever is confused of that <laughs> i want to make it very clear we're just dudes who, who want to talk about the cincinnati reds and have a good time and hopefully uh, yeah uh, i think it's 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 super cool for me somebody who's so far away from cincinnati and, and i can just hop on the internet and i feel like you know like i'm a part of the the reds community because you know i go from sea trends to to moegger stuff to you know, to Nick's stuff that he, that him and his group puts up to like, there's so many different, like, you know, podcasts, blogs, everything. And it's like, nobody's right. We're all just guessing here. Like if we're talking about, you know, other than the, the journalists that are actually reporting and breaking news stories, like all of us else are just sharing information. We're going to disagree. Like the other, you know, whenever I was talking with, you know, um, Doug the other day about Barrero, like, we just disagreed and we're going back and forth. And some people are like, Hey, you guys were, were rooting for the same team. Like, well, we know that, but we're, <laughs> but we're just, you know, trying to educate each other. And we're just like, you know, we'll be back on the same team. Once this conversation's over, neither of right. us is going to be right. I promise. And we both know that, but we're just both driving home our points. And that's what makes it fun for me. Like, that's why I've, you know, I'm, I feel super lucky that I've, I've been able to be within this like res community and being able to, you know, have a conversation with someone like you, Jamie, who's really tight in there. Like it's, it's been pretty fun. I, I feel really lucky. Yeah. And that's, that's another thing that like when I, when the blog was popular and we were, you know, going, um, going to town on better off red back in the day, that's the first thing that I felt was the community and how, you know, it can be mean on, on Twitter. It can be terrible as you guys know, but the reds, the reds group, to me, like the, the, the blogs and the, the folks on Twitter, the regulars, like I felt like they just kind of opened their, it, they made me feel part of their group and that community. And that's pretty, that's a pretty brave thing to do for somebody that works in the organization that can be considered the man type thing, you know, like, uh, but they've been great. And like, I'm, I'm, I'm always um, thankful and grateful for that for the Reds online community for doing that for me. And plus it like, I don't know, it's just, it, it goes to show that like, you know, we're all, you know, again, we're all pulling for the same team and we just want to have fun and be entertained. You know, that's the way I look at it. I will say that every like, game, everything would be fine. Twitter would be yeah. such happier place. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but that's not, I mean, even now, like this team's going to lose two in a row time from here on out there could be more times that the team loses to it so let's just kind of be cool about it and like you know, enjoy the good stuff by all means but i also think like i think it's important like you guys already carlos you just touched on it and i think it's important for me to, to encourage your listeners that if they want good reds coverage i think the first thing that they need to do is to seek it out and i think they need to begin first and foremost with the people that are embedded with the team. And that to me is C. Trent, Mark Sheldon, 
Bobby Nightingale, Charlie Goldsmith. And then you branch off from there. I think it then branches off from there. I think, I think casual Reds fans can get confused by, you know, people that have the loudest voice. And because you have the loudest voice doesn't, as we see on political news shows these days, just because you have the loudest voice doesn't mean you know what you're talking about. And there's so many things that go on behind the scenes that go into a decision, a player decision, so many different things that unfortunately not everybody has access to that information, nor should they. Um, and the Reds are put in a bad spot when somebody like Nick Senzel, um, the Nick Senzel story from last week happens. And you know the Reds can't really comment more than just the transaction, just the simple transaction. And, um, that's, what's, that's what's kind of uh, at a disadvantage for official Reds people on Twitter and social media. Mm-hmm. That's gotta to- be brutal when you know <laughs> something you can't. <laughs> like, you know, thing. I mean, like that's how, that's, and it's just not that. And it's, I'm not even implying that there's a story behind that. I'm just saying that I, I to me, it's like, how do you not defer? And this might sound really uppity, but how do you not defer to the experts? Like, I have a pretty good idea that Nick Craw is going to get some votes for executive of the year this year. Who am I to suggest that his player moves are disingenuous or, you know, like that he's not doing his job? Because he has a lot more information. He's way smarter than I am when it comes to that stuff. So I, I, I think I, I love, like you said, I love the presence of our, of our community, our, our, our Reds online community. I think, you know, as, as a rule, I think, uh, and you see this on radio and you see it on, you've already seen it on radio and TV, but, you know, inter- the internet is, has a lot of people who, um, really like their own opinions and have a very high level of self-importance um and this i mean sadly i felt that way when you know the blog was going well and i felt like you know you know i know every i felt like you know i got a good handle i've been watching baseball for 20 years i've been with this team for 20 years and you know as you grow up a little bit and you mature it's like maybe i should practice a little more humility and you know, think things through a little bit. I don't know. I'm getting off on a tangent, but I think it's working on that. (laughs) I think it's important to like, just be respectful of um, uh, the people that get paid a lot of money who have to make those decisions and have to make the really unpopular choices and um, have to be the fall guy too. You know, it's not like they're trying. They're not, they're doing everything they can to win whether you believe that or not. And I know some fans out there won't believe that, but I can assure you, I can promise you that is the case. And if for no other reason, there's so many other people that you don't know about that that's, um, it's important for the team to do well, not just for, you know, the people on the, on the field and the Nick Crawls and the Sam Grossman's, but for the guy that's showing somebody to their seat every night, they need to, I mean, when the team's doing well, they're going to do well. And it's, it's, it's a, it's a business, it's a business, it's a company, but there's a lot of people who depend on the success of this team. And quite frankly, who love this team. 
and uh, me being one. That's awesome. Yeah, I uh, I love your perspective on that, that Jamie. I, I think that's uh, really good, really important. You know, it's so easy to, you know, not think about all, all that goes into each and, and everything. But, um, yeah, I, I certainly don't agree with everything Nick Crawl's done this year. I don't agree with everything I don't David, either. <laughs> David Bell's done this year. But I think they've both done a good job. I, I, oh. I, absolutely. I mean, this team is 10 games over 500. And I, I'll say it, I don't think there's a single Reds fan that if you had said before the season, August 26th, would you take the Reds being 10 games over 500? I don't think anyone would have been like, oh, no, I think they can do better than that. I think everyone would have. And we got to try to have that perspective a little bit. It, it goes, uh, I think it goes a long yeah. way. And while I'm, you know, while, while I'm waxing poetic about, you know, being, and while I'm being a complete bootlicker for our team, <laughs> um, I, not only do I think Nick Crow has done a, an amazing job this year with, uh, with what he's been given and for what he's been asked to do, but I, Again, this might not be a popular opinion because, you know, the manager's never right, right? But I think David has done an amazing job. And I think he did an amazing job last year. And like I said, 90% of that job is behind closed doors that a lot of people don't know about. And I think the things that he does and just the patience that he's, you know, like people get so upset because, you know, and I'm one of them. It's like if another, you know, reliever A has given up, you know, the lead again. Um, you know, it's like, when, how much longer are we going to keep running this guy out? But David has shown an unbelievable amount of patience with people in which it's paid off. And I think exhibit A for that is not a specific player per se, but last year in the 60 game season, when they didn't turn it on until two weeks to go, David, every single night in those zoom calls after a loss said, we're going to, we're going to turn it around. I believe in this team. I think. I don't think it's going to happen. I know it's going to happen. And guess what? It happened. And I don't think he gets a lot of credit for, for just the, the patience, especially during a 162-game season. Like, you have to be patient. And you can't be impulsive. I mean, it's, in some cases, it, 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 it does warrant it. And you have to make transactions. But he's just – he's done a phenomenal job. He's navigated a lot of – lot of challenges this year yeah no i i agree and and we, we talked weeks ago we think david's extension should be picked up we're we, we're big big david bell supporters all right well it's getting late here um let's wrap this up um um jamie thank you so much for coming on loved having you really really appreciate your 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 generous time and uh um i'm hearing your perspective uh We'll be back next week, as always. Uh, if you guys are listening um, or watching live right now, make sure you subscribe to us on, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, give us a five-star review, as Tim always says, way better than I'm doing right now. Uh, do that. And then lastly, Marlins, Cardinals, Tigers, Cubs, Cardinals, Pirates. That's who the Reds got coming up. It's a good team, believe it. Uh, we'll see you guys next week.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.